0: Thank you, choir. We are, aren't we a blessed people to have this choir? We really are. We're also blessed to have um, Jordan Greer on part of our staff as our uh, Frank Kick intern. And uh, Jordan is an Eastminster member. She went to Sterling College. She um, then went to Gordon-Conwell Seminary to get her Master of Divinity degree. She's just been a delight to get to know and to have around. And Jordan, would you come and bring us the word of God? Thank you so much. Good morning. I'm so happy to be with you this morning. I love Christmas season, this is amazing. I want to tell you a story this morning from the book of Isaiah. When Ahaz was king in Judah, Syria and Israel were two countries north of him that threatened to invade his country of Judah if he wouldn't join them in the attack against the Assyrian empire. And so if you look at this map here, Israel is that pink area, you see Judah below it, and then just above that, at the Damascus mark, yep, you see Syria up there, Israel below it, and then Judah beneath it. So you see the three separate countries. At one point, Israel and Judah were one country under David and Solomon, and then we have the splitting of the kingdom— And that's when it becomes Israel and Judah. And so I just want to clarify that in this sermon, we're talking about Judah, even though Israel is a player in the game. And so you see that um, the king of Israel is Judah. And the king of Assyria, that top circle up there, wanted to join with the king of Israel. If you just go back to that slide with the two, that's great, yeah. Those two countries wanted Judah to join with them to fight the entire Assyrian empire. And King Ahaz of Judah didn't want to. He was like, I don't want to fight Assyria. Look how big they are. And um, so he resists their offer, and then those two countries threaten him. Well, if you're not going to fight the Assyrian empire, then at least you're going to fight us. And so King Ahaz is left with the choice of fighting in either case. And so he's trying to think of a way to get out of this attack and out of fighting. And he's faced with a choice and that choice is going to affects, affect the next 200 years of Judah's future. And so will he choose to, sma- to fight these two small countries or will he choose to fight this one huge empire? Do you mind showing them that picture real quick? You see Israel and Judah over there in the, on the left-hand side and how big that empire is? That's his choice. That's a scary choice. And the Lord, during this time, He comes to Ahaz, and through the prophet Isaiah, He offers him this third option. And he says, listen, I know that you're afraid that Syria and Israel are going to come and attack you. But if you trust me, it won't happen. If you stand firm in your faith, this won't happen. And just to prove to you that it won't happen, because I know you're scared right now. I know that you don't want to go to war to eat with either. So ask me anything. Ask me to prove to you that I'll be with you. Ask, ask me anything. The biggest blank check you can think of, heaven above, earth below, whatever you want, I'll prove it to you. That's pretty reassuring, right? But this threat from these two small countries, Israel and Syria, was so intimidating to King Ahaz that he actually came up with his own fourth option. And he made a choice and he said no to the Lord's help. He sought the aid from Assyria, that big empire, against these two small countries, and he decided not to listen to the Lord, not to trust Him, not to trust His word, and he went to the king of Assyria, and he trusted the king of Assyria over the Lord. And you want to know what happened? Because he trusted in Assyria over the Lord, that big empire— ended up turning on him and attacking him, even though he had asked for their help. And so it's in the midst of this context, in this rebellion against God, this refusal to trust in God, that we get the greatest promise of all time in the book of Isaiah. And it's this, from verse 714. "'Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. "'Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son "'and shall call his name Emmanuel. And we are in a similar situation. We are in the midst of our rejection, our rebellion against God when we get the greatest gift and promise of all time, which is Jesus forgiving us of our sins. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Did you hear it? While we were still in the midst of our rebellion and our refusal to trust God, that's when God died for us. And obviously now we have Emmanuel with us all of the time in the person of the Holy Spirit wherever we go. And this presence of God is the acknowledgement that Christ suffers with us and he is near to us and he experienced the full range of suffering and emotion and pain. We have a God who is near to us and who understands. And even as a congregation, God is with us in transition, in uncertainty, we know that His presence has never left us. No matter what's happened in our past or no matter what comes forward in our future, God hasn't left us. He is near to us and He understands. And during this Advent season, this Christmas season, we practice looking forward to the birth of Christ, to see what God is going to do in the birth and in the person of Jesus. And in this verse, 714, That was 700 years before Jesus was born, which means that in those 700 years, God didn't forget His promise. He was faithful to fulfill it. And so, if you're in a circumstance right now where you're waiting on God and you think, you know, God's promised me this or, you know, it says this in His Word, He hasn't forgotten about that. He is faithful. And oftentimes, I think we overlook what Emmanuel meant in this context, this original context, when, when God wasn't yet embodied in the person of Jesus. Usually, we think about this passage in one of two ways. We think about it, or maybe you've heard a sermon about it, where we, we talk about the immediate fulfillment of this prophecy, right? It It was given to Ahaz here, and, you know, some— scholars think that perhaps the child born immediately was Hezekiah or maybe one of Isaiah's kids. And then the second way we hear about it is that Jesus is obviously the greater fulfillment of that prophecy, right? The ultimate fulfillment of that. And I guess what I wanna talk about today is the third way that we see Emmanuel being fulfilled in this text. And it's God proving his presence with us to Ahaz here, even when he refused to acknowledge his presence and trust in him. See, God was calling Ahaz and Judah through their circumstances, through the threats, to trust in him and to turn to him. And so God with Ahaz, in his refusal to trust God, wasn't comfortable for Ahaz. It wasn't like God was saying, oh, I'm going to be with you and I'm going to make your fourth option work, even though I gave you an out to war. But actually what God with us meant then was, Ahaz, you're refusing to trust me because you don't recognize that I'm here with you. Like that's the lie that you're believing. And so I'm going to show up And I'm going to prove to you in a way that you can hear that I'm with you. And in a way that you can see that I am with you. So what I'm going to do is whatever you're trusting, I'm going to turn it against you. Because you're not trusting in me. And for us, if there are things that we're trusting in other than the Lord, those things are going to fail too. So instead of Assyria protecting Judah and King Ahaz, God actually sends the Assyrians to invade Judah as part of the consequence of not trusting in God to prove to him that he is still in charge and that God is with them. God is present and he is near even when they don't believe it or trust in him. And so even though God with us, Emmanuel, is always a good thing, it's not always comfortable. Because yes, God with us this Christmas season is Jesus coming to comfort the afflicted. And to bring his peace to us and to dwell among us and to heal us from our wounds. Because he was the one who was pierced for our transgressions. That's the most obvious meaning, and we believe that to be true. But Advent and Christmas also represent God with us, tearing down our false sense of security, tearing down the idols that we trust in, and changing our perspective in order to increase our trust in God. And sometimes that requires painful change. And God with us is... Part of it is this process of sanctification that we go through, where God is chiseling away the evil within us and around us, and calling us to trust in Him as our hearts are realigned with His heart. And Ahaz had that choice, like we have that choice. Are we going to keep turning to the things around us? So after Ahaz turned to the Assyrian king, he went to Assyria—well, first he went to the temple uh, in Judah. He went to the temple, he got all of the money, all of the treasure, and he took it to the king of Assyria as a bribe to help him. Then in Assyria, he saw all of these gods that they were worshipping, all of these idols that he had set up, and he saw, like we saw on the map, how big the Assyrian empire was growing. And so he's like, well. They're obviously doing well. I'm going to take some of these idols back to Judah so we can worship those, so maybe we can continue to grow as a kingdom as well. And so he sets up these idols, these fake gods all across Judah. But earlier, a few verses before verse 14, God says to him, if you stand firm in your faith, it won't happen. They won't invade you. And but he but he didn't trust God. And we have that choice too. Do we trust in God when he shows up and asks us to trust in him? And if we don't, then our strongholds that we think are strong will end up crumbling. It's like building your house on the sand. And the things that give us a false sense of peace will be torn down and replaced with true peace. And so God with us this season might look like a few different things. It might look like comfort in your affliction, but it also might look like discomfort in your comfort that's built on a false sense of trust in things that aren't God. In the seat back in front of you is a piece of paper and a pen. It's a business card size, and on the back it has a question about Emmanuel. And I want you to take it out, and I want you to think about it for a moment. What is an area of your life where you need God to show up with you this Advent season? Where do you need to see God in your life this season? Where do you need Emmanuel? And here in a minute, I'm going to give you time to write that down. For some of us, this may be the first Christmas that we are celebrating that we have an empty chair at the table, and we might be facing grief and loss right now. And you need Emmanuel to show up and comfort you and to be the wonderful counselor and the prince of peace. Or maybe this is your first Christmas where you've gone through a divorce and you don't have any normal rhythms anymore. Or maybe your family is so painful to be around that you're choosing to be at work because it's some alone time. It's some peace and quiet. I don't know what it is. Maybe you're facing an addiction, and you feel like you can't break those chains, and you need Emmanuel to show up and help you through that. I want to reassure you that in our despair and discouragement, that all of the promises of God that we can't see yet fulfilled— Will be fulfilled. Jesus promises at the end of Revelation that he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. That hasn't yet come about, but it's coming. There are so many promises that God is going to fulfill that we may not yet see. And I want to encourage you, he is faithful. We see it. He fulfilled a promise from 700 years before in the person of Jesus. God is faithful. And perhaps what you need right now is God with you in the person, the Holy Spirit, who is comforting you in the midst of your affliction. I know that that's a number of us today. But I also think that there's a number of us who might not be going through something difficult right now. I know that sounds crazy to say, but maybe we're actually pretty comfortable with how things are going And maybe we're building up some walls to protect us from losing that sense of comfort, to avoid pain. And maybe what you need this season is Emmanuel to show up and start chiseling away at these walls that you've built within you and around you. Maybe you've tried to build a false sense of peace and protection like King Ahaz did with Assyria. Maybe for you, you're overworking and you're taking comfort in, you know, my boss is going to know I'm a hard worker and I'm not going to lose my job. That's my security. Or, you know, maybe it's your status in the community. Like, if something happens to me, I'm well thought of and, you know, people are going to take care of me. I'm popular enough. I'll be okay. You know, it could be a number of things. And in and of these selves, these things aren't bad, right? Like work and money and our network. These are good things. But when they become our main source of security, our main source of the thing that we're trusting in, it makes us think that somehow with these things we'll be okay. But do you think God might be coming in this season as Emmanuel to shake up your life, in order to reestablish your trust in Him, to reestablish true peace in Christ that surpasses understanding and it's not built on your circumstances. Where do you need Jesus to show up for you this Advent season? And I want you to write it down. Take a moment to do that. All right, if you have something written down, I want you to put it in your pocket and take it with it. Take it with you. And I want you to pray over it. And I want you to watch and wait to see how God shows up. It might be in a person, in a word of scripture, in the voice of the Holy Spirit. But when God shows up, when he reveals himself to you, could be in two weeks, maybe six months. When He shows up, I want you to find this piece of paper. And I want you to write down the way that God showed up. Because there are going to be circumstances in the future down the road where you're going to need Him to show up again. And you're going to need to have trust that He will show up again. And you can look at this piece of paper like an Ebenezer or a testimony of, you know what, I needed God to show up here, wasn't quite sure if He would, and He did. And then in the future, you can be reminded that we have a God who shows up, who is with us, who is near us. And we can courageously believe Him and take Him at His word that He is with us and trust in Him. When we're faced with invasion or threats, like Assyria or Israel, are we going to trust in something like the king of Assyria or are we going to trust in the king of kings who promises to be with us? That choice is yours today. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much that you show up and that you dwell among us. Thank you, God, that you are comforting us in the midst of our affliction and you're using that comfort um, that we may also comfort others in the midst of their affliction, God. We thank you, Lord, for the way that you are binding up our wounds, the way that you are healing us. And God, we also thank you for the ways that it might be a little painful, this process of sanctification where we are being refined through fire, like gold, being made perfect in our faith. You are the author and perfecter of our faith. And sometimes that looks like the surgeon with a scalpel coming in, removing what isn't good for us, God. And we trust you. We trust that you know what is best for us, even when we don't know. We trust you, God, with our lives, and we surrender and ask you to do what you will with us during this Advent season. And we will thank you for it, Lord.